Welcome to the call men's Bible study with pastor and men's expert, Kenny Luck. If anyone wanted to forecast your faith journey, all they would have to do is ask one simple question. What comes into your mind when you think of God? Is he omnipotent or impotent? Is he sovereign or random? Is he majestic or familiar? Is he judgmental or kind? Is he loving or vengeful? Is he really concerned about the details of your life or the person you call on when you're desperate? A maximum faith journey hinges on a man's concept of God. And if your concept is off, so will your faith experience. But if you believe that God is who he says he is in the Bible, your faith will be unstoppable. So how big and loving is your God? The answer to that lies in your actions more than your words. And that is the theme of part two of Maximum Faith. Remember, your life in God will never outperform your view of God. So get ready to encounter the God of the Bible and have your faith expand as we join Kenny live from Crossline Church in Laguna Hills, California. Now, this this series kind of hits on the reality that we think we know the limits of what our abilities are. Uh, the limits of what we can endure, we can endure the distance we can go, how hard we can push ourselves, uh, but we really don't know until we know, right? I was looking uh, this morning on Buds in Hell Week Revisited by a former Navy SEAL, and I was really captured by this quote. He said, Buds in Hell, Hell Week teach you that your body can do 10 times more than what your mind will let it do. And I thought to myself, wow, isn't, isn't that true? On my own, uh, I don't know about you, but on my own, sometimes I give myself uh, permission not to push myself in areas where I know I need to push myself. Does that make sense? Sometimes I just give myself permission to just coast and collect, you know, where especially in my relationship with God, I know there's more. I know there's more there. And that was the, the theme of part one of Maximum Faith, as we looked in Philippians 3, where Paul says, I want to know Christ. I want to know the power of his resurrection. I want to know the fellowship of his sufferings. Forgetting what lies behind, reaching forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. And that's what God said to us all in part one. God said to us all, there's more. I know there's more right? You see, if your walk with Jesus or if your way of pursuing faith remains unchallenged, your life in Jesus will be safe, but it won't be maximized. And if, you're, if you've been in any sport or been coached by anybody or been mentored by anybody, you know that uh, them stretching you is a good thing because you don't know until you know. Amen? That's right. And in the worst of all, you will never know what was on the other side of a maximum effort until you give a maximum effort. And so that's what the Lord is saying in this series, Maximum Faith. In fact, if you have your notes, take a look at the top. We're going to read uh, a theme verse up there. It's from Hebrews chapter 10, verse 38. And I want us to, to read it together because we have a couple of choices when it comes to this subject of faith. But let's read how God views us, his men, his sons. All right, let's read it together. Ready? But my righteous one will live by faith, and I take no pleasure in the one who shrinks back. God's talking about what gets him excited about the guys on his team. My righteous one. If you know Jesus Christ, if you have received him as your Lord and as your Savior, if you've trusted in his person and in his work by faith, then you're on the team because that's what the Bible says, is required to be on the team. But if you're on the team, God calls you his righteous one, right? And he says, you know what? On our team, the way we work, we live by faith. What, is that? what does that mean? It's, it means that when God asks us to do something, when God points us in a certain direction, when God reveals his will, we go forward we risk, we don't retreat. And if you look at that, that verse, um, you see that it's pleasing when we move forward in faith. So God is, is very pleased with us when 
we understand and we seek and we pursue his will, we discover it, and even though there might be some hesitation, even though there might be uh, a little reticence, even though it might be hard, even though we might have to sacrifice, he says, my righteous one will live by faith, all right, versus shrinking back. And, and you notice that, that living by faith and trusting God and doing God's will is pleasing to God, shrinking back is not pleasing to God. And the reason it shrinking back is not pleasing to God doesn't have anything to do with you. But it has everything to do with what shrinking back says about him. Where if, I, if, if, if you're a dad and you're, you have a child on the edge of a pool and you're like, hey, come on, jump in. Right? You're like, come on. Aren't you almost incredulous that your little child won't trust you to jump one foot into your arms? You're just like, hey, come on. I'm, I'm here. I'm strong. I love you. I'll catch you, right? And that's kind of the analogy where you can, you can jump in to God's will, you can move forward, or you can hesitate, you can shrink back. So let me just say uh, unequivocally that God is calling every man that's listening to the sound of my voice forward in faith. Everybody say forward in faith. Forward in faith. Yeah, your context is your context. My life isn't your life. My challenges aren't your challenges today, but I know that God is asking you to trust him. And he's asking you to stretch. And he wants to pull even more out of you. So let's write this down. God loves when I commit without knowing based on his character. Write that down. When I commit without knowing based on his character. The greatest lesson in faith I've ever learned, and I've shared this story a few times, was when I was in Mexico and my son and I were jumping off a cliff. And my seven-year-old daughter in her little aerial bathing suit with her little aerial goggles and her little aerial flippers on said, Dad, I want to jump off too. And she is totally risk averse. But I tried to challenge her. I walked her up. I had her look over and she looked at me and she nodded. And then I said, okay, take my hand. And I thought that would scare her away. And then I said, all right, you know, you pull the old dad, I'm going to count to three, you know, and you're, you're half expecting that she's going to turn tail. But the whole time she was just looking at me. And I realized that she was totally serious. And so I said, okay, Jenna, I'm going to count to three. And when I say three, we're going to jump. So we did. And we get up out and I'm, my mind is blown. And I, I, I get up and I, I, after we, she says, you know, that was fun, dad, let's do it again. And I am totally blown away that she, she took that risk. And I said, what got into you? How come you wanted to do this? She said, well, I said to myself, I'm super scared. But I'm with my dad. And everything's going to be okay. Greatest faith lesson I've ever learned in my life. is where she committed without knowing what was going to happen based on who she thought I was. Based on who I was. And so when you know God and you know that he's powerful, when you know that he's wise, when you know that he acts in your best interest, when he knows, when you know that he's your creator, when he knows that he's the author of life, when you know he's the bread of life, when you know he's the resurrection and the life, when you know he's the light of the world, when you know he's the good shepherd, when you know God for who he really is, all right, you can take risks, you can come to the edge, and if you keep your eyes on God, you're going to stretch yourself and you're going to get the thrill of trusting God and seeing his power. If you retreat, you'll never see it. So I just want you to think right now. How is God stretching me? Where do I need to go in faith? Because God loves it. Now, when we do that, when we get our eyes on God, and, and like Jenna looking at me, probably falsely, but in her mind, I was everything that she thought I was. God's not. Look at what it says in Hebrews 11.1. 1. Let's read it together. Now, faith is the confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see, right? Circle confidence and assurance. Now, if God remained abstract and nebulous and didn't reveal himself to us, that would be a little bit of a stretch. To be confident and assured, taking risks in faith for what I know God wants me to do. But because we have this, because we have the word becoming flesh and dwelling among us, because we have Jesus' expression on the cross. We just celebrated Easter. 
when we see this, we see love, and we see a man that we can trust, and we see character, and we see sacrifice. We can always want to follow a man who will say no to himself to say yes to higher purposes and to us. Amen? You can trust Jesus Christ. If Jesus asks you to do something, you can trust him, and he's earned your trust. Amen? All right. So we're going to look in the Bible at a guy who was pushed out of the comfort zone, and his name is Moses. Okay? We all are, are very familiar. If you're not familiar with Moses' story, I'd be surprised, but we're all familiar with this, with this boy, and his name is Moses. And his parents stuck him on a little bed of, of, re, of uh, uh, made a little nest for him and floated him down the Nile River when a maniacal, psychopathic pharaoh was killing little boys. And they took a risk, and they said, I, we don't want our son to die, and they floated him down the Nile, and lo and behold, he kind of just kind of gets stuck in some reeds, and a member of Pharaoh's family finds him, and he gets adopted into royalty into the palace of Pharaoh. And then he's raised there, and then he realizes, you know what? I'm not Egyptian, I'm Jewish. And he sees uh, an Egyptian guard beating a Hebrew slave, and he intervenes and he actually kills the man who is beating the Hebrew slave. And so he, he chooses mistreatment, all right, for his identity, and then he flees, all right? Now we, we roll the film. Moses pulls out a dodge. He, he moves away from his identity in Egypt, the place of shame, the place where his name is mud, and he, and he finds this nice, cozy life being a shepherd. Forty years after the fact. Now we pick up the story in Exodus chapter 3, verses 1 through 4. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire within a bush. Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I'll go over and see this strange sight. Why the bush does not burn up. When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, let's finish it together. Here I am. Has, that, has God ever gotten your attention? Where maybe you were living life a certain way and you thought it was, hey, this is, this is safe. This is cozy. This is predictable. There are no unplanned interruptions. I got this thing. And then he moves your cheese through some event, some career thing, something, right? And he just goes, you know what? That's great if you have no faith, but you're mine. I'm going to move your cheese because you need to move forward in faith. You know, the verse we read at the very beginning, it says, my righteous one will live by faith. That's moving forward. But I have no pleasure in the one who shrinks back. Do you notice there's no standing still part? We're either moving forward in faith or we're moving backward, all right, by default, all right, by not stretching ourselves, all right? So I want you to understand that there is a tension in your relationship with Jesus Christ that will always be in your belly. And, and, it's, and it's this idea that, you know what? There's another area of faith that you can trust God in. It doesn't matter whether you're, you're 16 or 96. If your heart's beating, there's an area of faith to trust in. And Moses here, he's in the comfort zone, all right? So let's define that so we can know what he got kicked out of, Okay? Right, the comfort zone is a place or level of confidence. It's where, write that down, place or level of confidence. You're just, you know the shtick. I'm comfortable with this. Moses was tending the flocks of his father-in-law. It was all in the family. He knew how to do it, all right? And there was no one demanding more of him in this place. So he was feeling pretty confident when no one's asking more of him, right? There's nothing to fear, right? Second, it's a place or level of ease, okay? When he woke up in the morning, he wasn't like trembling in his pants, you know, like, oh my gosh, I got to watch the sheep. There was, there was, it was a place of ease. Things were provided for, all right? Things were stable, okay? And then third, it's a place of familiarity. Write that down. Confidence, ease, familiarity. Doesn't that sound like the comfort zone? I'm confident there. There's no threats. I'm not sweating at all. And there are no demands, and, and you know what? I know him, and I know that, and I know this work, and I know how it goes, all right? 
I know what's coming. I know what happens when I do what I'm supposed to do, etc. Predictability, control, right? Until God decides to take Moses out of the comfort zone for his purposes, okay? Everybody say for his purposes, for his purposes. I don't know what your comfort zone is. I don't know when you feel at ease or confident or where everything's familiar, but I'm just telling you right now that if you're a son of the king, you will be taken out of your comfort zone for his purposes. It's not just, well, I just really need to test Jeff, or I need to test Ernie, or I need to test Steve. There are God's purposes waiting on the outside of you being stretched. Some of you are here this morning. That was a stretch waking up this morning. Coming in, but God's going, get there. I got something for you there. I have a word for you there. I'm calling you forward there. Get there. You're going to hear from my word. You're going to hear me talk from my word. All right? But God will, will stretch us because he needs to get something done through you. He didn't create you so that you could have a life of confidence, ease, and familiarity. No, he created you with intention. And so if you're made by God and you're made for God and you're going to go to God, in between being made for God and going to God, there is this intentional plan that he has for you that you have to fulfill. And so God's going to, he's going to, he's going to push you forward. Right now, let's pick up the conversation. So Moses, God, God gets Moses' attention because there's something going on. All right, and then he says this to Moses: "Don't come any closer." God said, "Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is what holy ground." Then he said, "I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob." At this, Moses hid his face, and he was afraid. To look at God. I want to press the pause button there in Exodus 3 and just know that, you know, it's a holy moment when God gets your attention. He might get your attention through a job loss or maybe a company sale or maybe a, a health issue or maybe something being taken out of your life. But God uses everything, and when He gets your attention, in other words, when you can't control it, when he gets your attention, that place is holy ground. Why? Because God's talking. God's trying to get your attention. God's trying to speak to you. God's trying to say, you know what? This is me. I'm the author of your circumstances. I allow certain things to happen. I allow you to make choices. I allow the consequences of your choices to, to come back upon you. And now you're in this place. And now that I've got your attention, I have something to say, which is exactly what the next three words are in the passage. Right? The Lord said, now that he had Moses' attention, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I've heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I'm concerned about their suffering. So I've come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them out of that land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey. The home of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites and Jebusites, and now the cry of the Israelites has reached me, and I have seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. Let's finish it together. So now, go. I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. Wow. When God calls you into a new thing, when God stretches you, when God says, you've given yourself permission to stay put, I'm not, it's not because he just wants uh, to see how much you got, it's usually because something's going on that needs addressing. He sees things that you don't see. Everybody say this. God sees things I don't see. But, it's, but when he gets your attention and he calls you into a conversation like he's doing with many of us right now, this second, it's because he sees some things and you have to raise your game to get ready to meet the needs that he sees need meeting. It's not just, well, I just want Kenny to raise his game. No, Kenny needs to raise his game, and I need maximum faith out of him because there is something I see. And you know what God saw? Suffering. God hates suffering. God hates loneliness. God hates injustice. 
and, and we're put on earth for a limited amount of time and given some accessories of life, given some resources in life, given, a, given position and wealth and status and influence, not to, to, to spend it all on ourselves, but because our means and everything we have, all that we are, all that we hope, all that we, we have is for a purpose, and, and it's usually to advance God's kingdom by helping people. And so God says, you know, there's other people praying, and, and I, I see them praying and crying out to me for someone to deliver them, some man to step up and be God's man for them, and to enter the space and to take a big risk. And I'm saying that it's you, Moses. And I, I bet Moses, as he was kind of hearing the conversation, he's like, wow, I'm sorry for those, those people who are suffering in Egypt. Wow, I'm, I'm so glad that you've decided to step up, God. That's really great. And the whole conversation is about, I'm going to take these people from here and move them to here. And, and I bet you like 0 0.1, 0 0.2, 0 0.3, 0 0.4, hey, that's really great, God. I'm glad you're doing that because you're, you're you. But then that last sentence, you notice that I underlined it in the notes. It says, so now... Go. You go. I'm sending you to who? Yeah. All right? It's like, I'm sending you to the most powerful person on the planet. He is a god, little g. He has resources beyond your wildest imagination. And oh, by the way, he, you know exactly who he is. And that's the last person that you want to go to and say in fewer words, I want to take away your workforce. All right? That's the mission. So all of this is just falling onto Moses and into Moses. I mean, he might have did something in his pants at that moment. I just, there's, there's one time travel moment for you. Just like, yeah, I'd like to go to the moment when God said to Moses, you're going to Pharaoh, back to Egypt, which also incidentally was the place of shame. Sometimes God calls us back into the places that we fear to have an impact, you know? You know, talking about things, you know, that maybe we'd rather not talk about in order to help people, you know, whether that's an addiction or sexual addiction or something like that, you know? You guys know my story. It's a lot of what my life is now, talking to men, is going back to Egypt and, and talking about, hey, you know what, this is the life I used to live, but then I met Jesus, and this is my life now, and you can be free. You don't have to live in that, that bondage like my old Egypt. But sometimes God calls us back in there. So what do, you, what do you say when God says go? All right, let's look at that. All right, what, what do you say? What, what's the battle inside? Uh, and we watch Moses go through this battle, and I want you to really pay attention. Because on the other side of this battle, when God says go, see, if it's God's size, it's going to put a little rumbly in your tumbly, amen? When God says go, it's going to be like, whoa, I don't know if I can do that, all right? But when God says go, I will battle, number one, insignificance. It's too big for me. Hey, this whole, this whole mission thing that you want me to do, that's too big. Look at me. I, I'm surrounded by sheep. I live way out here. Um, look at what Moses said. Let's read it together, all right? Ready? But Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? And God said, I will be with you. And this will be the sign to you that it is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. So isn't that ironic? God says, I know you're you but I'm me. <laughs> and that's what any supporter who has the means to bring you forward uh, says. I know, but I got you. All right? And Moses is just like us, right? He, he pleads insignificance, but you don't know who I am. Have you ever said that? Like, yeah, but God, you don't know who I am. Yeah, but I want you to do that. Yeah, but, but, but you don't know who I am. Yeah, but I don't care. I'm with you. God replaces Moses' excuses with himself. Isn't that interesting? And that's what God will do this morning. Some of you are very challenged in the room. And God's calling you forward. He's calling you to do something that's really going to stretch you. All right? And whatever fear you have, God says, I'm with you. 
Don't worry about it. Everybody say, God's bigger. Yeah, God's bigger. You'll see in this conversation, for every battle, God says, I'm bigger. So you'll battle, you'll battle insignificance, all right? Second, sometimes we will battle ignorance. Write that down. It's not just too big. It's too complex, all right? It's too complex. Moses said to God, he made it an intellectual thing. Moses said to God, suppose I go to the Israelites and I say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, what is his name? Then what shall I tell them? All right, let's finish it together. God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent you. Okay. When God said, I am, it's really, syntactically, it doesn't make sense. To God, it makes perfect sense. Because when, when God says, I am, what is God saying? He's saying, I am life itself. That's what that means. I am life itself. So, what else do you need? They'll know it when you say it, because that was their context. They knew that the I am was, was Jehovah. They knew that the I am was the creator. They, they knew that the I am was the source of all things. And I am for God is because God simply is. There never was a time when he wasn't, and there never will be a time when he is. So his vocabulary is a little different than ours, right? It's not I was, or I'm with you now, or I will always be. It's just I am. Tell him the I am has sent you. Life itself has sent you. And in saying, in having Moses say that, it was both a, a communication and an invitation, okay? God is inviting Moses to just kind of fill in the blank, bro. What do you need? You tell him I am has sent you, okay? It's sort of like if you had a financial issue, all right? If someone had a financial issue and you went to that person and Warren Buffett, was behind you, okay, and there was a financial need. You just, you just tell him Warren Buffett is, you know, fill in the blank, right? That's what God is saying to Moses. You tell him, I am has sent you. Now, now just to fast forward a little bit, when someone says that to a Hebrew, they're like, this is God, right? Now, Jesus, in the New Testament, when they said, our father is Abraham, all right, and Jesus responds, before Abraham was, he says, I am. He doesn't say, it's syntactically correct. Before Abraham was, I am. And then Jesus says things like, I am the way, the truth, and the... Now you're getting a little sense, a little taste of who Jesus is. Jesus is life itself. When you know Jesus, you know life itself. But he, you know, I am the gate, I am the true vine, I am the light of the world, I am the resurrection and the life, I am the good shepherd, I am the bread of life, I am. All right, so Moses pleads insignificance. It's too big for me, you don't know who I am. God says, I'm bigger. Moses pleads ignorance. Who shall I say has sent me, all right? God says, I am has sent you. I'm bigger than your fear of ignorance. All right. Third, you'll battle insecurity, just like Moses. God asks you to do something that's God-sized. It's going to stretch you. You're going to have to. You're going to have to battle inside. You will battle insecurity. Okay. You're going to have to battle insecurity, and that's the whole question of man. There's too many what ifs. Anybody ever do that? You what if yourself right out of doing God's will. What if they react this way? What if I write that check and and you don't bring more? What if they reject me? What if I go and I blow it or I fail you? What if, and, and Moses has the same quibble, you know? First, you know, it's insignificance. Then it's ignorance. Well, who, who am I going to tell him to send me? Now it's insecurity. Uh, God answers, says, don't worry, tell him I am sent you. And then he comes back at God again with the next hurdle to doing his will. Moses answered, what if they don't believe me? Or listen to me and say, the Lord did not appear to you. And then the Lord said, what is that in your hand? 
A staff, he replied. The Lord said, throw it to the ground. Moses threw, Moses threw it on the ground and it became a snake and then he ran from it. Then the Lord said, reach out your hand, right? And take it by the tail. And so Moses reached out and took hold of the snake and it turned back into a staff in his hand. This, said the Lord, is so that they may believe that the Lord, the God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has appeared to you, right? So how does God answer Moses's insecurity of, hey, you know what? There's too many what ifs. What if they reject what I say? And God says, well, I'll equip you, okay? God says, I'll equip you. God says, I got this. I will, I will give signs. I'll, I'll do things that you can't do using the, the simple act a simple tool, a simple staff. You know what I love is that it's already in his hand. The solution with God's touch on it is already in his hand. I just want to tell you that the solution to a lot of what's going on in this room that you think is so big is already in your hand. All it needs is the touch of God. A staff is a simple thing, but a staff with God's hand on it is a powerful thing. And as I was studying for this study, as I was getting ready for this study, I thought, wow, Moses has a staff in his hand. The staff is the sign, and the staff is going to morph, right, before the eyes of men to show the miraculous. And then God said to me, and he wants to say it to you, you're the staff in my hand. You're a simple thing. You might be a simple man, but in my hand, you're going to morph and you're going to become different. You're going to transform. And people are going to see your transformation. And it's a sign to them that my hand is on you. That's powerful, man. That you're the staff in God's hand. You're this simple tool. But with God's hand on you, he touches you. He puts in his hand. And he changes your life. And he changes your attitudes. And he changes the way you go about life. And you begin to transform. And you be begin to come, become this person that people don't recognize. Wow, that's not the, the simple thing, predictable guy that I knew. Look, he's becoming this thing. Why? Because you're the staff in God's hand. Everybody say, I am the staff in God's hand. I am the staff in God's hand. Yeah, you're simple. Yeah, you have your life. Yeah, you have all these factors that are a part of you. But in God's hand, he can touch your life and he can change you. And you can become something different. And guess what? That's what people see. If any man is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old passes away. Uh, behold, all things become new. Are you becoming new? Are you putting yourself in God saying, God, touch me, change me. I don't want to be the same way I was yesterday. I want to stretch. I want to grow. So you will battle like Moses, all right, insignificance, ignorance, insecurity. When God asks you to do something big, fourth, you'll battle inadequacy. Inadequacy. All right, it's too big, it's too complex, too many what ifs. And then we'll say, we'll say to God, well, you know what? I know what you're asking me to do, but that's far, that's far beyond my capacity. All right? Moses comes back at God again. He's in the comfort zone, man. He likes the comfort zone. God's kicking him out of the comfort zone. And every time Moses throws up some rationale for not being stretched in faith, God says, I'm bigger than whatever that is. And the, the conversation continues. Moses said to the Lord, um, I love the language. Uh, okay, I feel like, uh, pardon me, pardon your servant, Lord. But I've never been eloquent. I don't know how to talk. Neither in the past nor since you have spoken to your servant. I'm slow of speech and tongue. Now listen to God's response. All right. This is like one of those nice answers that may have worked with someone else but doesn't work with God. All right. Look at this, look at this response. Let's read it together. The Lord said to him, Who gave human beings their mouths? Who makes them deaf or mute? Who gives them sight or makes them blind? Is it not the Lord? Now go, I will help you speak and will teach you what to say. All right? So interesting. Here's the, here's the point. When you're a man of God, never live out of what you lack because there's God. I love God's response. Who made mouths? 
Who made eyes? And you know what? We come to a, a, a nexus, a crossroads, and we go, oh, you know what? I'm inadequate. I don't know enough. I, it's too many what ifs. And then Moses says, you know, this is beyond my capacity. I don't know if you've ever seen Nick Vujicic. No arms, no legs. He sits on a table. He speaks to billions. Why? Because God's with him. That's all. He wanted to kill himself. He tried to drown himself. God wouldn't let him die. But he sits on that table and he speaks to billions of people about the person and power of Jesus Christ. And he wins millions of people to the Lord. Well, you talk about someone who could feel like Moses. Insignificant. Ignorant. Who am I? Insecure. What would they say if this guy with no arms or no legs is talking to them? All right. God, this is way beyond my capacity to travel all around the world. You know who I am. Don't you see me? This is how I came out. All right. But God said, guess what? Nick, don't live out of what you lack. I'm me. And I'm bigger. You know? Not only is there more, God knows there's more in you. Isn't this cool? There's more faith in you. And then God steps in and just goes, yeah, guess what? I'm bigger than all these little battles that you fight inside. That's a winning combination. Now, what happens when you don't believe God is bigger? All right, write this down. I will become insubordinate. I'll become insubordinate. I like my comfort, God, more than I want to do your will. That's basically what Moses is kind of tossing up there. He knows who God is. God's got a bush on fire, and it's not being burned. He's the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Moses. Moses knows how powerful God is. Moses saw the plagues of Egypt. He saw Pharaoh crumble. And he's like, wow. I mean, and, and, you know, that, that would come. But Moses knew who God was. But when he won't receive God's person and God's promise and God's purpose, this is important, he becomes then insubordinate. What does that mean? means that he won't obey authority. He refuses to follow orders. You see, God's got orders for us, fellas. It says it in Ephesians 2.10. He said that you were in created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance. Everybody say in advance. In advance for you to do. You know that God has a game plan for you? You better get in touch with it. You better learn as well. He's got something for you to do. He's prepared good works in advance for you to do. But if, if we allow our, 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 the voices inside, all right, let's just call them up, the voices inside and the lies to say, man, you're, who are you to do this? Or you don't know enough to go do that for God. Or there's too many what ifs. Or it's too far beyond your capacity to do something for the Lord. You'll just end up, right, giving yourself permission to pass out of God's purpose. And that, that's the devil. Can I just tell you that right now? That's the devil who wants you to believe those lies. God's not bigger. There is too many what ifs, Kenny. It's too far beyond your capacity. Who are you to go do that? I mean, I can't. I remember walking into the chairman of our company's office back in 2000 and saying words that I never thought in a million years I would say. I'm firing myself. And he goes, Why? And then it was almost like I was embarrassed to say, because God has called me to reach men of the world and to share the gospel with them and to give them a new identity so that they can have a new way of seeing themselves, seeing life, and be blessers and givers of life versus destroyers and takers of life. And he's like looking at me like, hmm. And I'm just like, oh boy. This was not a good move. And he goes, that's so awesome. Why don't you just house your ministry out of our office? And I'll give you 10 months severance. Yeah. My righteous one will live by faith. And if he shrinks back, I will not be pleased with him. You see, there are moments coming right when you walk outside this door where you're going to have to go, here we go. All right? Everybody, let's say that together. Here we go, right? Every warrior I have talked to, when it comes to that nexus of when the bullets start flying or when they decide to go and they know they're not coming back, that's what they say. 
Struker in Black Hawk Down in Somalia in Mogadishu. He went in, his 50 cal guy got his head blown off. He's washing blood out of the Humvee. And then he's, he's like, I got to go back. I said, Jeff, what did you think? And he said, well, here we go. Wow. But that's what God says. My righteous one will live by faith, and if he shrinks back, I won't be pleased with him. And then the, verse 39 of Hebrews 10, 39 says, but we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but those who believe and are saved. Where's God calling out more faith in you? So Moses gives God the, uh, the insubordinate speech, right? And God says, um, God says this, but Moses said, pardon your servant, Lord, please send someone else. Okay, now we're getting to the root of the issue, amen? <laughs> it's just like, I don't want to do what you're asking me. All right? It's just like, okay, now the brass tax is out of the way. This whole insignificance thing, this whole ignorance thing, this whole insecurity thing, this whole inadequacy thing, that's all gas. Because here is the real issue. I don't want to do it. Please send someone else. Now look at God's response. Then the Lord's anger burned against Moses and he said, what about your brother Aaron the Levite? I know he can speak well. God's just like not even hearing it. It's not like he even responds. Why? Because God knows he's the man. God knows. Like, no, I picked you. You're going. You know, it was like, you know, I had my, the men's ministry leadership team in the room in the other building the other night. I said, everybody, please look at my eyeballs. All right? You're all going to Beast Feast. I said, that's why you're sitting at this table. You're all going to wilderness experience. That's why you're sitting at this table. And I know you have private lives, and I know you have to talk to your wife, and I know you have to do the thing. So do I. All right? But God's got a mission for me. All right? Let's say that together. God's got a mission for you. And guess what? You can, you can kick and scream and scratch and claw, but if God says you're the guy, guess what? You're the guy. And you're going in. And God doesn't even really acknowledge, like, please send one somewhere else. He just goes, you know what? You got a brother-in-law, right? His name's Aaron, right? He's going to speak for you. Oh, by the way, he's already on the way to meet you, and he'll be glad to see you. It's sort of like, I'm not even hearing what you're saying, man, because you're the guy. And like every excuse, and then he says, you shall speak to him and put words in his mouth. I will help both of you speak, and I will teach you what to do. You know what I was so glad about in this passage is that God didn't leave him alone. A lot of us are on a journey. We need other men in our lives. We need a buddy. We need a battle buddy. We don't go into battle alone. And God says, guess what? All right, you have these insecurities, and you, have, you think you're ignorant, and blah, blah, blah. But guess what? I make mouths. I'll be with you. I am has sent you. And by the way, I'll give you a partner. All right, and I'll help the both of you, okay? So after this little discussion, and as this discussion presently is going on between you and God, because there's something he wants you to do, a person he wants you to be, impact he wants you to have, look at what happens in the conversation. Exodus chapter four, verses 18 to 20. Then Moses went back to, his, to Jethro, his father-in-law, and said to him, all right, let's finish it together. Let me return to my own people in Egypt to see if any of them are still alive. Jethro said, go, and I wish you well. Now the Lord had said to Moses in Midian, go back to Egypt, for all those who wanted to kill you are dead. So Moses took his wife and sons, put them on a donkey, and started back to Egypt. And he took the staff of God in his hand. There you go. So he battled. He had it out with God. God said, you're it. And reassured him and reassured him and reassured him. Moses left the comfort zone and got into the faith zone. And that is what God is doing in this room right now. He's getting, he's, he, I don't know what your life is, but I know that there's a life of confidence and ease and familiarity that you like, all right? But it, re, it leaves you unchallenged. You won't become the man God's calling you to be by remaining who you are. God's got a mission for you. And I love how Moses went back and when he verbalized what God was asking him to do, his father-in-law 
who now had one less employee that he could trust, said, go, man. I can't even tell you. When Everyman Ministries was just paper, but it was a big vision. And I would, like, excited and terrified, share with people what God was doing. And I was just like, oh, man, I'm, I don't like to depend on other people. God said, go. I don't want to talk about other people, to other people about what I'm doing. I'm used to just doing it myself. I'm used to writing the check. I'm used to do. No, go talk to other people. And you know what other people, like a lot of guys in this room have said? Go. And they wish me well. And they jump in. And they go with me. They get on the donkey. And millions of men later, here we are. For all those guys that are out there online, here we are. For the, the metro urban cities where we're going to bring the Dangerous Good Conference, here we are. For the 30 new Dangerous Good Fellowships in Eugene and the 80 in New Orleans, here we are. Every T has been crossed, every I dotted. Why? Because God was bigger. Amen? He was bigger than my inadequacy. He was bigger than my ignorance. He was bigger than my insecurities. He was bigger than the things that stopped me from going into the breach. And it doesn't have to, it, it doesn't have to be on that scale. But I'm just saying, that's God's scale. Not my scale. God wants to do big things through you. But he uses simple men, the staff in God's hand, the staff in Moses' hand. You're the staff, and I love the last line. And he took the staff of God in his hand. What you need is already right there. It just needs the touch of God. You just need the touch of God. So what is maximum faith? Write this down. Putting feet to your faith. Putting feet to your faith. All right? A directional step into God's purposes. Write that down, maybe parenthetically underneath that. A directional step into God's purposes. There is a directional step. God's calling you to more faith, all right? There's no neutral. There's forward and there's backward. There's risk and there's retreat. There's I'm pleased with that and I'm not pleased with that. And God is saying, all right, there's more. I know there's more. And on top of that message of there's more, he's saying, I'm bigger, so seek me, talk with me. Some of you already know what you should do. Some of you are sitting here and you've been waiting, you're just kind of like waiting for someone to go, you know what? You need to do that. God has put something on your heart. There is something that he's called you to do. There's something that boils your blood and breaks your heart. Go do that in the name of Jesus. If God's calling you to do it. If it, if it will bring him glory. There's a conversation maybe that some of you need to have today. Maybe it's with a former business partner. Maybe it's with your spouse. Maybe it's with a kid. And you need to come and you need to say, you need to take responsibility for yourself. All right? Guess what? I am is with you. What am I going to say? Just know, I'll be with you. I made mouths. I can, I, can, I can handle the words. Whatever that issue is that you've kind of hedged your bets, all right, in Jesus' name, I declare that you have victory over that thing. In Jesus' name. You can do it. Why? Because God's with you. And God's bigger. Amen? We got to do that. Maybe some of you need to get on your phone and just take a picture of the flyer for Beast Feast and send it to somebody. That's your, that's your step. All right? Maybe you need to share your faith. Maybe you just need to come join Get Healthy on Tuesday nights. Maybe you need a community of men. Maybe you're isolated and you need, you need to be in a, in a discipleship community of other men really growing in Jesus. Well, guess what? There's an agency that's called here to help you do that. It's called the church. And Crossline Church is here to help you do that. So put some feet to your faith. Take a directional step. I don't know what that is for you. I know what it is for me, man. I got to have some conversations after this Bible study. I'm not, I'm not just saying that to blow gas or air up your skirt. I just, I have to have some conversations. I don't want to have those conversations. But I know that God's calling me forward. I have to say something. I have, to, I have to do what God's asking me to do. So when you think about yourself, think about what God has just said this morning, right? God might be getting your attention through this Bible study. And God's saying, I want, there's a destination I want you to go to, all right? And you inside in your belly go, I don't want to go there, man. And God keeps assuring you, I'm with you. I will be with you. I will equip you. I have the capacity. Don't live out of what you think you lack. That's what the word of the Lord is for us this morning. Amen? 
All right, let's bow our heads and ask God to give us what we lack. God, thank you that at every turn, Moses' deficit was replaced by yourself. Lord, I'm in deficit today for what you've called me to do. I know what you're calling me to do, and I'm terrified, but I'm excited because this word that you gave to Moses is a word for me. Lord, I'm with you. I got this. I know. You keep assuring me. So, Lord, I thank you that you've called me into the family of God. You call me a son of the king. Sons of the king live by faith. They risk and they commit without knowing all the answers in advance based on your character. And, God, what we know about you is that you love us and you sent Jesus to die on the cross for our sins. And, and Jesus, in you doing that, you did the one thing that only you could do so that we could do the one thing you're asking us to do today, this second, which is to trust you. You've earned our trust, Jesus. And so, Lord, I don't know what the issues are in the room, but I declare forward movement in the lives of every man listening to the sound of my voice. I declare victory. I thank you that you are telling us we are sons of the king and we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Thank you, God, that we are conquerors through Christ, that there is nothing in front of us that's bigger than you, especially when it comes to your purposes. So, Lord, would you express your power and your person and your presence in the next few hours and days as men move forward in faith versus retreat, knowing that there's more faith in them. There's more trust you're calling out of them. You're stretching them. They can do more for you than they think they're doing right now. Kick us out of the comfort zone and bring us into the faith zone and into the glory and power, seeing your power and seeing people helped, just like you did with Moses. In Jesus' name we pray, and God's men said, amen.